0: This is Halo Halo Hour, a Kiwi and Filipino podcast.
1: And just like the delicious Filipino dessert, we are a mixture of entertainment ingredients.
0: That's a review of movies, TV series, books, and books adapted to screens.
1: Okay, well, welcome back to the Halo Halo Hour. I am Pat and I am joined by Tina. Welcome back, Tina.
0: Hello. It's so nice to be recording again a new episode, and apologies to our five listeners who have been waiting for a new episode, but this is it. Here we go.
1: Hello to all our listeners in Germany, America, Sudan. I have no idea how you found this podcast, but I'm happy you did.
0: Just flexing there, huh? Just just flexing. It's
1: amazing i'm just so happy when i see uh listeners from just random countries
0: that is so true me neither i i cannot imagine how they were able to find us but welcome welcome
1: and today we're gonna talk about a book it's a our book review it's been a while since our last book review but we've been we've been reading uh so i thought hey, it'll be a great episode to just review um, the latest book that we've read. And that is The Two Lives of Lydia Bird by Josie Silver. And it was released in 2020. This was a book recommended uh, by you, Tina. What brought this book into your life?
0: Well, um, I don't know how to put it, but it's one of those in the best selling list. the longest time i got curious and if you know me i'm a sucker for all things romantic romantic comedy films romantic um comedy novels they used to call it chic lit like chic literature but i guess it's not appropriate to call it now they say it can be texas i don't know why i need to be educated on that but anyway it's a romantic i think romance contemporary romance would be the more um, suitable description of the book and there and knowing that you haven't really read anything of this genre was like okay maybe i can challenge pat to read this with me let's see now i want to ask you pat after reading the synopsis which you will read for a our listeners in a bit maybe you can follow that up with what were your first impressions
1: yeah well this is a book which is sort of a rom-com grief story which is a bit morbid I feel like it's more in line with stories like the fault in our stars is it would that be correct
0: oh yeah could be
1: sort of Could just very be, but... morbid morbid sad romance trying to you know be a bit of a tearjerker and I gotta say um mm-hmm. I was when I was proposed the idea of reading this book I wouldn't say I was
0: proposed the idea I like it
1: <laughs> I was not I was like not extremely excited but upon reading the synopsis there's a little bit of a um sci-fly sci-fly a sci-fi <laughs> Um, twist to it and you know me I'm a bit of a sucker for anything sci-fi or fantasy so I feel like that was my sort of uh bridge to this rom-com story and yeah that's uh the kind of story that this is um the synopsis for the two lives of Lydia Bird is about um Lydia Bird who was with her um fiance Freddie um they've been together for over a decade and on her 28th birthday, Freddie died in a car accident. And now um, Lydia is dealing with the grief. All she wants to do is hide indoors and just cry until her, until her eyes fall out. But um, yeah, but Lydia knows that, that Freddie would want her to live fully and move on without him. And she enlists the help of her best friend Jonah, um, who was actually in the car with Freddie on the night of his death and her sister um, Elle or Ellie, they help her cope with the grief. But the twist to the story, which is a bit um, a bit more of a um, fantastical element to the story, is that Lydia, to cope with her grief, has been taking um, experimental medication and this medication, would transform her into an alternate reality upon her sleeping and this is a reality where freddie didn't die and time continues on parallel to her waking life and throughout the story um chapters shuffle between her waking life where freddie died and her life when she goes to sleep and she wakes up in this alternate reality where her life with freddie continues and it's sort of dealing with grief in a way which I haven't really experienced much, maybe because I haven't read many romantic novels, but I thought that was sort of an um, original take on um, yeah, dealing with the loss of a loved one.
0: Yeah, um, as for my case, um, this is unintentional, but I ordered this book with two other books, and then I realized that They were all about a woman trying to move on from the death of his, of rather, of her husband or partner. And I'm like, okay, was I unconsciously in fear of something here? But anyway, um, yeah, you're just looking Uh, for something to pull you emotionally. I think (laughs) I hope so, and I hope it's not, you know, something else. Um, I've read so many, um, romantic comedy contemporary romance rather um books and i must say that even though i've read about those you know moving on types of novels this is like the first time with this kind of element and actually i think that got me excited to read about it because yeah what if there's like an alternative what if the women in the books that i've read actually have an option to be with the the loves of their lives who they lost along the way so yeah that's interesting for me but now i want to find out um i want to confirm rather maybe because for me it's important to connect to the character like right away a few chapters in i want to be rooting for that character And I guess with this one, it took like a longer time, maybe after one-fourth of the book. And for me, that's just not normal, okay? So was that the same for you? That's one of my thoughts about this book, so yeah.
1: (laughs) Maybe I was because I was so interested in the, um, the element of the plot of her shuffling between both lives. And I did feel like sympathy for her she um immediately there's a tragedy and on her 28th birthday no less so it was such a horrible sort of situation for her that I feel like I was yeah for me personally I kind of was invested in her story from the get-go maybe it was um there were some really over the top uh, sappy sort of descriptions of her love oh, yeah. and loss for Freddie which oh, was a yeah. bit much but I can you know, for the genre, I kind of just accepted it for what it was, like, okay, maybe this is the normal sort of, um. or you can tell me if that was the normal sort of level of sap, but um, apart from yeah. that, I was um, and just, yeah, I, it was a bit of a page-turner, just to see the developments of her dealing with grief, and also being able to live a fantasy of her fiancé not dying, you know,
0: yeah, to, to piggyback on that thought, <laughs> um, it, I think it's kind of common for this genre to be this elaborate in the description of the thoughts, the setting, especially the feelings of the main characters. And also if um, this is a first person point of view yeah it is right so especially if it is a first po- person point of view it tends to be that way but you know what having read many rem- contemporary romans this still pisses me off i i know books are meant to be more elaborate compared to movies but what i want this is personal preference what i want in my novels is for the characters to move like not be stagnant in one second um, part of their lives and have like a million thoughts I mean fine you can share like a sentence or two but to feel like using all the words in the thesaurus and being so overly dramatic I think that's just distracting even for someone who has consumed this type of content so 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 much so yeah I get you I can't blame you and that's one of the factors that made me love the novel more i mean if she just turned down the grandness the grandeur (laughs) or the overly dramatic words could have been better but as it is i think um the the concept is really nice refreshing and yeah that's just mm, (laughs) personal preference and but you saying that um that confirmed that it's I'm not
1: alone in this part it was kind of um unintentionally funny some of these lines or it's i, I was trying to find an example but i just off the top of my head it'd be along the lines of my entire universe is on the in, in the arms of freddie hunter and i can no longer exist on this mortal plane if he is no longer here with me like, it was that sort of level of dramatic that What kind of was unintentionally funny as I was reading it which kind of took me out (laughs) sometimes
0: and especially with what we did like we would throw I mean when we find time we would throw lines at each other like as if we're reading the script and it's just so like ugh. (laughs) like I remember how we would just agree that it's too much
1: can I say one thing I did like about all that I I did like about the writing actually um it really took me into the um the location of where the book was it was so English like it wasn't just some random place they were at they were you know they were in England they were using a lot of the slang a lot of terms a lot of the environment and I really felt that um yeah Josie Silver did a really good job and just being able to um, immerse you into this you know world and make you feel like you're in this environment you know it was like yeah like I, I'm not really familiar with England and you know they go to America they go to Croatia and I felt like she did a really good job and um yeah conveying those locations
0: and don't we just love that when we read books like as they say it's like a free passport to be transported to anywhere in the world and I think yeah I would agree on that part that Josie Silver made a good um a good job <laughs> if that's way to describe it and transporting us back to England um not back I haven't been there and transporting us to England and I'm just glad because I'm used to reading you know the American contemporary romances and um it's refreshing for me so um I've been saying that I've read a lot of these genres right so I think um another point that I would like to point out (laughs) is that the difference in us reading this book from different lenses, you were surprised by the end without revealing it, because this is spoiler free up until this point, right? You were surprised with the ending. But I must say I wasn't. I knew from the first few chapters what it what would happen. And I'm I know that sounds like bragging, but yeah, so I guess at that point, um Joseph Silver (laughs) <laughs> Josie Silver um, kind of went um, expected I don't know I'm thinking of the word maybe if I remember it later we can. I can say it but yeah that's not surprise for me at the very least
1: so it's a bit predictable um, the end for you anyway
0: there it's a bit cliche I remember it now it's a bit cliche so the idea uh, is kind of a novel kind of news having a, an alternative an alternate reality through a pill that she drinks um, but they didn't explain and I think we can expound on that later um, the pill that that she takes so that's kind of novel but the structure of the story and the ending is just trademark contemporary romance very predictable
1: I can kind of see where you're coming from, but we'll go into this in the spoiler version. But there are a couple things that kind of like redeemed it for me, um, especially um, in the very la- end of the book, there's a letter that's written and I feel like that was well done. Um, and if it wasn't for that, I reckon the ending would have been very bland, but I felt like it was executed Above, it's uh, above all above what it was. If, but we'll go into more detail in that later. I think the one thing that maybe disappointed me, and maybe that's I think this is just this is not really a criticism. This is just an expectation on my part because I'm so into, um, you know, superhero and <laughs> science sort of like thrillers that I had these expectations of more maybe sinister developments or maybe more um, sci-fi developments through these pills or through these alternate lives that she lives and this was a bit more of a straightforward romance story that sort of focused on the grief of Lydia and her development with her friends and family that she's left with and I think that is the point of what the book was but just with my expectation, I kind of wanted something to be a bit more crazy, but I think in terms of what she wanted, she did it well.
0: It, that's um, that's so Patrick of you <laughs> to expect that thing. But anyway, before we go to our ratings, I just wanna say that I'm actually surprised to hear this from you because knowing, but knowing what you want in the media that you consume I was actually expecting you to, like, um, maybe tell me, Tina, I can't anymore. I don't want to read this genre that you like so much. I can't even see why you like it. So (laughs) for me to hear these things from you, I'm like, okay, I'm surprised. Maybe I'll be more surprised when we lay down our ratings. Can you do the honor and do it first? Out of five, how would you rate The Two Lives of Lydia Bird by Josie Silver?
1: feel like this I did enjoy this book more than I expected and out of five I would actually I would actually give it a four out of five um I feel like there were what? some <laughs> I feel like there were some like sappy and maybe predictable moments but there was enough in there that kind of redeemed it for me and made up for it and I really felt like it even you know it imparted a little bit of um lessons for anyone who is dealing with grief, and it's sometimes better to face it front on than avoid it and try to steer away from it, which I think is an important, you know, um, lesson, Um, but yeah, um, what did you think? What was your rating?
0: Just wow, because I would rate this book a 3.5 out of 5, just from the experience of reading too much i guess into the to the genre so i was expecting more and yeah i was hoping to have a little bit more in the serving (laughs) because um these themes as i've said apart from the pill were already you know pretty much written about in the world of romance so nice try but you know, could have been better. And with that, I think us being the geniuses that we are, whoa, <laughs> as if we're writers, we can discuss in the next segment of our show what we would have done differently, right? But first, let's hear the disclaimer from Patrick.
1: This will be now the spoiler talk for the two lives of Lydia Bird so if you're still interested in reading the book spoiler free please pause it now and come back to us later when you've finished it and yeah me and Tina will now cover the book in depth
0: and we're back so now we are in the spoiler talk segment where Patrick and I will be discussing deboning boning this story <laughs> i see your face the story even more you know even deeper so um for this segment we'll actually use the questions and topics for discussion that's found in the book which um honestly i like about this entire thing it's like um, they have recipes they have playlists and now they have these lists of questions that maybe the book club members or maybe patrick and tina which they will be do they will be do they will do just now (laughs) okay so first up there are 11 questions but um we feel that there are more there are some questions that are more you know um fruitful to discuss I'm not so sure with the words that I'm using right now is this the cause or the effect of reading too many words from this book I don't know but first I'm gonna jump in we'll do this alternately but here is the first question after the unexpected death of Lydia's fiance she discovered that with the aid of sleeping pills she can visit the world in which he didn't die Soon, she is spending her days waiting to go to sleep to see him. Do you think this was a healthy way for her to cope with what happened? Okay, that was a question. And I think, I honestly think, I'm no expert, but I can honestly, or rather, I f- would feel better to tell someone in grief to go to a psychiatrist or psychologist to really seek professional help because... This is like an escape, an es- a coping mechanism that not that w- that could be you know nice for the first few weeks or maybe a full month after grief, just so to extend that time that they could spend with their loved ones, even if it's just in their dreams, but to do it in a longer, longer time um, would be, I think, um, not so beneficial because it would only hinder him them rather and in this case lydia it would only hinder her from moving forward in a faster manner so there's that so if you're experiencing if you're unfortunately experiencing the same situation as lydia um don't don't look for the pink tablet okay just seek professional help okay pat what's your question and what's your answer to that question
1: I agree that probably, um, that really, in the end, it's not really a healthy way for Lydia to um, deal with her grief. It's a very interesting and sort of like dream fulfilling way of what if, but yeah, definitely in the long term, it didn't help her cope with um, the loss of Freddie. Um, My question uh, number two is, uh, Lydia wrestles with placing the blame for Freddie's death on Jonah's shoulders for quite some time do you think this is an understandable reaction why or why not and i I actually think it was very understandable in the beginning because it was jonah he was sort of the reason why freddie got in that car and picked him up and upon you know the horrible tragedy of losing freddie i completely understand why she would blame him like if it wasn't for jonah Lydia and Freddie would have just went straight to the birthday party but because he went to pick him up his best friend and they died in the car ride over I feel like anyone in that situation would completely blame the best friend but then upon learning more in the story that there's more to the situation and that Freddie was maybe a bit of a reckless driver how close Jonah and Freddie were and really it's Jonah is struggling just as much as Lydia with the loss of Freddie because he's known Freddie just as long and th- those two are inseparable and they had a they had a bond you know a, a, a friendship that was so deep um, almost at the level of that Lydia had with Freddie so yeah I, I feel like initially it was understandable to blame Jonah but eventually them growing closer together and understanding both of them struggling with mourning him brought them closer together so it was good in the end that yeah Lydia understood Jonah's grief
0: okay so from that to a a few months forward into the storyline this is an interesting question after some time Lydia tentatively begins stating again how did you feel when she began to get close to Chris? In what ways is their relationship important for Lydia and for Chris? So um, in this story, I had to backtrack a little bit. So f- a year, more than a year after Freddie died, um, Lydia unexpectedly found herself in a weird um, sort of speed dating <laughs> where the participants actually... It's very weird. It's very weird. I don't see myself doing it. And I hope you Steering. don't do it anyway. Just You'd silent you. <laughs>
1: Yeah, just staring at each other's faces. It was so odd.
0: Yeah. Like, like you can say anything. You just look at each other's eyes. And I guess that's how they... I don't know if that's a real thing. But if it is, guys, you do you. Just not for us um um anyway but you know it's kind of like similar dating apps you know you, you can't talk to the person you just sweat left or right so um um lydia uh, unexpectedly found herself there how because um of her work um she was at this event and then um a space suddenly a participant suddenly uh had to back out last minute and she had to fill in to to help the group that she's working with so anyway there she found chris they had instant connection and then lydia was you know being honest attracted to him and chris was the same lydia was coping from her grief and chris was actually um moving forward from his divorce and uh it happened more than as i've said more than a year after the death of freddie but somehow it still feels like I don't know, cheating, but um, I think that's just uh that's just not right to say it's cheating because it's been a year, and um, after having that initial thought, I realized that it's actually a good way for Lydia, a turning point in the storyline that Lydia is, you know, somehow moving forward. And in the story too, because before that, it's like almost a hundred pages of Lydia just reminiscing the life she had with Freddie and just, you know, alternating with the two lives. And this is like her creating a new memory with someone who isn't part of the life she had when Freddie was still alive. So... Uh, it felt awkward at first but after some time it felt actually when you think about it it's the turning point that Lydia needed and perhaps the readers also needed to (laughs) to get on with the story do you have any thoughts quick thoughts on that
1: I just think that the um Chris relationship was something that I thought would develop further and it might have been a bit of a misdirect for me because I was expecting Lydia and Chris to end up together. I felt like it was such a natural way that they progressed. Yeah, I guess that was a bit of a misdirection for me. But yeah, I didn't feel like it was uh, cheating because she was it was a year and she didn't pursue this. It would, just came very naturally. And yeah, Chris made the advances, you know.
0: Yeah, but Lydia also had, you know, wrestled the thought in her mind because she was also, like, uh, thinking it felt, like, unnatural. But it was natural. It is natural. People can move on. Uh-huh. So back to your question, Pat. Go ahead.
1: So the next question is, as Lydia spends more time asleep with Freddie, their relationship hit several discordant notes. What did you attribute the tension to? What, if anything, did these moments reveal about Freddie and Lydia's relationship? I think that this was an interesting question because when you lose someone, especially in that way, you kind of um, have this perfect version of them in your brain and you think about all the, all the moments you miss, but I guess you, you block out all the bad moments. You just want to think of them as in their brightest sort of like characteristics and when she continues to live with freddie in this alternate reality she's reminded of you know all the things that bothered her about freddie and while she doesn't visit the sleeping world the character herself develops further as well and you can see that the personalities kind of diverge and that the people who are developing in her sleeping world are different to the people who develop in the waking world so you have Lydia who's a bit more hard-nosed now she's gone through such a horrible tragedy that she kind of doesn't take any shit from anybody and then you have the alternate Lydia who hasn't gone through this tragedy and she kind of lets Freddie direct her and does what he wants and doesn't really fight back and she kind of when the waking Lydia visits the Freddy and that will kind of notice this too going what's wrong with you why don't you just listen to me and it's interesting to see that yeah the diverging personalities that happen in the waking and sleeping world and um, I think if Freddy lived they probably um, and didn't die in the waking world they would have ended up together but they would have you know they would have developed together and but I feel like in these two realities it just yeah it just diverged really.
0: Here, here. <laughs> yeah, but no, because um, when we were discussing, you had that that thought about you know the difference in uh, the difference between awake Lydia and sleeping Lydia, and that just blew my mind because I didn't actually um think about it. But now that you've said it, it's like mm, props, Steve you, Pat. You're you, I think we need another romantic or romance novel for us read together okay
1: <laughs> and just just a little tidbit like the the one of the um sort of thriller twists I wished it happened was because mm-hmm. this Lydia was developing in a sleeping world she was going to the gym she was doing things that the waking Lydia wouldn't do and I was thinking well this is actually an alternate this is a becoming a different person and does she notice that somebody is all of a sudden taking over her life and I thought that maybe the Lydia who was in the sleeping world would actually be a bit of an antagonist (laughs) and I was hoping that maybe there would be some sort of a clash where she'd tell the waking Lydia to stay out of my life stop intruding on my life but I was a bit disappointed in that angle but that's just more of my expectations and uh, (laughs) what I wanted my wish
0: that's the the very (laughs) sci-fi fanatic Patrick Anywho, I don't know yeah. if that made sense. But yeah, as for me, I really wish that, you know, um, I, I'm not sure why. I, I, the, the story worked without them explaining how it actually happened, how she was able to have an alternate life with that pill. But I wish they kind of discussed that. I, I thought um, it would add another element to the story, another um, oomph to the story but it worked well so yeah um we're no writers of course we can we can oh you are (laughs) well not in this way this is more (laughs) elaborate (laughs) but thank you and so for the last question that you want to answer together can you read it for us pat because do we have the same answer to this let's see
1: so after reading the novel do you believe that a person can have more than one happy ending in life why or why not
0: i guess uh, i'd go first this can be very vague but i guess um we can have several definitions of what a happy ending is and i think that would make you know having several endings what could be and, and a happy ending for you now could look differently a few years from now. So, I don't know. It's very vague. Can you, you do it way better than I do? You're the talker. Let's do this.
1: <laughs> Bit of uh, building it up for me, I think. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I feel like um, this did have a happy ending. And I feel like the Lydia and the sleeping world would probably have a happy ending as well, if that really was an alternate reality. Obviously, it can be more than more than one happy ending. You know, life has many chapters and then ultimately we die. (laughs) So that is the ultimate end. But I feel like there are many chapters in someone's life where it can end on a happy note. And um, I feel like there was tragedy in this book, but the the end for Lydia in her waking life um, was very happy and for you predictable, but for me, I felt like it was nice, and while it was predictable, I really appreciated um, Josie Silver's uh, execution, that last letter that Lydia wrote was very heartfelt, and having um, Jonah, um, you know, you you don't know if he read it, but he just turns up, and they go together, I was like, okay, that was not too cheesy for me it was it was a nice moment and yeah it was a nice nice happy ending
0: yeah i have to admit i cried in some portions of the book as cheesy as it may sound but especially in the letter because it's like oh you know her moving forward and finding an alternate happy ending you know beginning of the book uh the happy ending that she would only have for sure was to have you know, Freddie back, Freddie alive in some twisted way or another. But you know, we have an alive Jonah, a real alive Jonah, and that's a happy ending that she deserved, nonetheless.
1: Yeah, we can move on to some spoiler filled thoughts. Um, are, are there any any um, significant thoughts um that you had often on the book?
0: Wait, I think we already covered that. We can skip that. The thing that you said about them interacting, I think that's really nice. And the only spoiler-filled thought that I wanted, you know, was what could I have done differently, that for them to explain how the pill actually works. But if you have any other thing to say,
1: but let's me, talk I don't about have... that.
0: Okay.
1: I I feel like the I like how they don't explain that. I like how they don't explain oh. how the pill works. I think that if they did it would have opened up a can of worms that obviously that josie silver doesn't need to explain it's there's um a movie groundhog day i don't know if you've seen groundhog day um it stars bill murray and he has to live the same day over and over again and eventually he becomes a better person and then he's like star- 51st
0: dates that's oh. different
1: is that different? Okay, I, I can't. I can't remember that movie. Yeah,
0: because Ruth Barrymore had. Um, oh, she had
1: amnesia, amnesia didn't she?
0: Yeah, memory loss.
1: Yeah, memory and loss. And yeah.
0: she she needs to live her life the day the accident happened.
1: Well, that is actually more explain. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually has more explanation though, because that's a condition <laughs> that she yeah. had. <laughs> in, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. In Groundhog Day, it's literally the same day repeats over and over and over again, and then. Uh, the main character played by Bill Murray becomes a way a better person continues the day and I was thinking man how did that happen the movie never explained why he was caught in that time loop but I felt like it was executed so well you loved his character you love um you despised him at the beginning but by the end of the movie you really loved him and I, I feel like that was done so well that you didn't need the explanation and I like how this book did that sort of um, in a similar way, where um, the alternate timeline told um, Lydia how she she needs to move on and deal with grief face on; otherwise, she's never gonna escape it. And the pill was a really um, good tool to show that. And yeah, if they I if they did explain it, it would have just been like, oh, don't get into the the working inner workings of the drugs now. And I like how it's left to interpretation. Was it all in her mind, you know? I, and you can, you know, discuss whether it was truly an alternate reality or in her mind. And uh, my opinion, I kind of wish it was an alternate reality, just because I'm a bit of a sci-fi fan. And if I was Lydia, I would have kept one or two pills. You know, I'd be curious to maybe visit every five or ten years just to see the developments in alternate Freddie and alternate Lydia's life like see their children but it was a very powerful message at the end how Lydia says I don't want to live in a life that's second best and that was a very powerful sort of sentiment and that I can completely understand why the character would flush those pills down the drain because you you don't want to keep living in the what if and you want to put everything into the life that you're living and yeah that was a very powerful message for me
0: Okay, but being a sci-fi fan that you are, I heard you're watching a TV series called Severance that somehow has the same theme as Lydia Bird. Why, why don't you um, introduce that show to us, Pat?
1: Yeah, well, um, a co-worker of mine recommended this show, Severance, and it sounded very interesting. It's about a workplace where um, people who are employed there get their minds altered to where they have their memories at work separate from their memories outside of work. So when they enter their um, place of employment, they don't remember anything in their personal lives, and they only have memories of when they are working at the job. And likewise, when they leave, they forget everything that they learned at their job, and they go back to their outside memories. And I thought that this was such an interesting show, and I had to watch it immediately. I binge-watched the show in three days, nine episodes. Um, Each episode was around 50 minutes each, and I was just, yeah, I just had to keep watching episode after episode because I just wanted to know what was going to happen next. And uh, yeah, the show was on Apple TV. It's uh, by Ben Stiller, premiered in um, February of 2022. And I'm so glad it's been renewed for a second season because it was such a cliffhanger at the end of the series. The plot is essentially follows a character called Mark and he's an employee of Lumen Industries and he agrees to go undergo the severance program where his non-work memories are separated from his work memories. And the reason that this show really reminded me of Lydia Bird was that he's actually um, dealing with grief himself. He lost his wife in a car accident and he felt that he wanted to find an escape. And his escape was going into severance and not having to think about his dead wife for nine hours a day. And for him, that was to deal with his grief. But that reminded me of Lydia Bird in that she was escaping her grief.
0: Yeah, so much.
1: Yeah, escaping her grief with the pill, he's escaping it with work. And I thought it was... And the yeah.
0: similarity of losing their partners in car accidents. So, wow.
1: Actually, I didn't even think about that, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> it was car accidents. And um, yeah, there were so many great developments in the show and twists as well. Yeah, it, it's, it, it was a way where it's like you kind of realize that this character is just running away from dealing with his problems. And if he w- wasn't given the severance option, he might have been able to deal with the loss by now. It's got a great cast of actors, Adam Scott, Britt Lower, John Turturro, Christopher Walken, Patricia Arquette. And um, the idea of this is even explored further to what I could even imagine, because I thought, oh, you know, you just forget what you do, forget your life outside of work. But what's really happening is you're creating another personality of yourself, and they're essentially in hell. And there's a lot of symbolism in the show. There's a lot of reds to represent hell, a lot of blues outside of work. And when you're, when you're at work, there's a lot of red. And it's a kind of a nightmare and a horrible situation because these characters, you check into work and they, they wake up and they're at work. And then when you leave and you go back to work, they wake up at work again. So they don't sleep. They don't rest. All they do is just work, work, work. And there's just no stop. And the people on the outside don't know this is happening. And they don't realize that they're torturing themselves. (laughs) Like it's a part of them that's dying on the inside. And they have no idea because as far as they know, they're just going into a building and not remembering all the work that they're doing. And it's so um, immoral (laughs) in a way. And the idea goes even further to where a character is um, pregnant and she goes to a, a birthing lodge. And she meets another character who's a woman and she's pregnant. She talks to her, befriends her. And then later on, she sees the woman with her child and she talks to her and the woman doesn't recognize her at all. And she's thinking, oh, that's weird. You know, I I knew this woman. She figures out that she's done a severance on herself. This woman who is very wealthy has done the severance procedure to where she's now had three kids and she hasn't experienced one birth. Because what she does is she puts that alternate personality on, and that personality experiences all the pain of childbirth. And then once that's over, she switches back to her normal personality. And just imagine that that character, like you just wake up and you you give birth, and then that's and then you don't wake up again until the next pregnancy. So yeah, it's an insane show. I completely recommend it to anyone. It's got 98% on Rotten Tomatoes and it's just been, it's a critical hit as well. And a lot of other things that I'd love to delve into too, but yeah, I'm, I'm waffling on,
0: but yeah, from your description of the work, you know, the, the, the portrayal of the work as hell and then people just really working hard and the outside people not realizing how hard work is on the inside i don't know if i if i got that correctly but anyway um it just made me think like wow that's a dig at capitalism you know at the labor um intensive not even labor intensive but you know how corporations um operate with their people and their manpower I just felt like that's hmm, a say in that.
1: It definitely does that. Um, it's got a, um, a lot of profound messages that does deal with corporations, labor, and really what you can get away with because the person undergoing the procedure is giving their complete consent into the severance procedure. But wh- who they create, because they are creating someone, they don't give consent. And all the workers in there are trying to escape. They're trying to tell their outside person please let me out please stop this and the outside person says wait a minute I'm the you're not even a person to me you're just a part of me and they don't think of their other selves as a person and it's like their own worst enemy in a way (laughs) so it's it's funny in that some of the characters the um are the villains but the exact same character is on the opposite end because they're suffering and yeah it's a very interesting show
0: Wow, so we just went from a, a romance, a contemporary romance. I always forget contemporary, but a, a romantic book to a really disturbing sci fi um, TV show in one episode. We did that.
1: I took it that way. Yep. <laughs> only I could do but
0: that. <laughs> only you can do that, Patrick. That's why that's what makes us unique. So, anyway. Thank you so much for this episode. I really enjoyed it. And I hope we can read more romance novels. Fingers crossed that you uh, will fingers approve crossed.
1: of. <laughs> I'll, I'll get there. We'll cycle back to romance after <laughs> I go through um, some weirder books that I have on my Goodreads list. But we'll but cycle I, back.
0: For sure, I probably um, look for should look for something with sci-fi element to it so that you would sign up for it. Right? I know you now. Or
1: or what you can do is just get a sci-fi sort of like twist and that will hook me in. And then all of a sudden, like in Lydia Bird, I get hooked on the sci-fi, but I (laughs) end up loving the romance.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But thank you for giving this book a chance. (laughs) That's just me being silly. Anyway, um, see you again next time. And um, to our dear listeners, thank you for sticking up with us. Bye. Bye. Bye.